Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis-Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode, and to learn more, visit us at BoomGoddessRadio.com. So we're in the middle of talking about friendship. What a rich topic. It's like, no matter which place you enter into, it's full of possibilities. Well, last week we talked about derailed relationships, and it was a um, wonderful show filled with information and and wonderful feedback from our guest. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about how to avoid that if we can. And also how to build on friendships and really what's at the core of creating those. What it takes, is it a matter of circumstances? Is it that we connect with the other person? You know, Bibi, just as you were talking, I started thinking about toddlers in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started to laugh in my head because they weren't thinking about, well, how do I approach this other diapered baby standing (laughs) next to me and should I be soft or should I be aggressive or should I hit her over the head with my sand strainer so I think that when you watch toddlers I know when I do I'm amazed at the organic intuitive way right and in a play school of who connects with who so I think to frame the conversation we can have on one end of the continuum being the very young children that we all once were and also the ripening of our years and what we've learned about friendship because as Jen was saying last week was was tough because we talked about the conditions which helped create a derailment so to speak this week we want to talk a little bit about fulfillment as maybe the opposite of derailment and how much do have we changed since we were five years old in the sandbox? Well, let's let's try and remember who you were attracted to when you were five, well, kid-wise. Yeah, but you know, in in the sandbox, it, it, you see children sometimes getting angry when another third child comes into the sandbox and you and I have been playing now for a couple of days and now we have a third person coming into the sandbox and at five years old, I'm not liking it a lot. I'm not liking it. That's why we're, what, kicking sand at each other. 
Yeah, right. and and it's interesting that that doesn't get a whole lot better until adulthood. Exactly. We were talking about that earlier, right? About how we how one would expect that given a number of years, whether it be 40, 50, or 60 or more, we would already have honed in that skill or perhaps learned from the experiences that we've had to be almost perfect human beings, to know exactly what to do at every single time. Mm-hmm. And yet we still fall into the trap at times of not learning what, that which we have learned. It's interesting when we um, listen in on the conversation that we have with one of our guests this evening, that very point comes up about the importance of being attuned in the friendship in in ways that we may not even be conscious of. And we're hoping that throughout this conversation, maybe more and more elements of that come into consciousness, that we can be alert to aspects that could rupture, whether they're things about ourselves or noticing things about someone we're interacting with that can alert us at an earlier level before there's a derailment. Well, is it, is it something that alerts us? Because, you know, in, as, we, as we spoke last week, I mean, all of us were just sailing along. We didn't realize that we had done anything to press that button. We, you know, we didn't. I mean, you did. You, you went to help Pamela. I'm, I'm being told that I am. She doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And we didn't do anything in our heads and hearts to this day to, to warrant that behavior. So right. now, how do you avoid? What do we do now to to um, avoid any kind of derailment? I mean, you can't really see the future, but you have to kind of live in it. I'm thinking so. You know, if if you see if you see a storm coming, do you do you talk about it right away? And I think that is what I would do now. I would talk about it, but I didn't see the storm. So, okay. So there's so many aspects, and just you're musing on that point because one of them is early detection, if you will, or early warning, which some of us have very. Um, sensitive signal systems for and some of us have less sensitive signal systems and in my work over the years I definitely noticed that there were individual differences I mean there were people who would read faces and see changes in in facial Mm -hmm. um, consistency and tone of voice that would alert them in the pit of their stomach instantly and then there were people all the way on the other end of the continuum who have no idea how they affect other people and maybe they don't care and maybe they do care but it doesn't matter their signal system is not as finely tuned so that's one piece Mm -hmm. but the other piece that you raise is so interesting which is how do you prepare yourself for the storm and certainly um and not only for the storm but also how do you prepare yourself to tend the friendship garden um, what is it that mm, makes a friendship last? What makes it grow? What do we use to feed it uh, so that we can have that interaction with the person that we love or the friends that we have? Uh, how, we, how we act on that? What do you think, Jen? Well, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think that forming new relationships, as I said last week, was a little difficult for me after after my storm, okay? And so now, 
when I meet, I, I'm in a new city, I'm meeting wonderful new women and I'm treading lightly, but I wanted to get into it. I wanted to sh uh, shed myself of, of any kind of fear. So that's why we developed this, this network of extraordinary women so that I could meet wonderful women, we could share stories. And I think it, it's, it's, it's really healed me coming together with all these wonderful women. And we're not all friends, but we all are very friendly. We can count on each other for, for almost anything. I mean, you can just pick up a, a, a phone and make a call and they will be there to assist in anything that you need, which is a wonderful friendship family, well, community of friends. Right, and so now there's so many words there. There's community, there's friendship family, right. there's network mm -hmm. of extraordinary women. And if you look at it like concentric circles, you know, like a bullseye in the middle, which is your very closest people, mm -hmm. and then around that there's a second string, and around that there are people that maybe you speak to once every couple of months, and then there are those that even after seven or eight years, you can pick up and call, and you can absolutely be tuned in to that other person. Exactly. Somehow that doesn't change. So we've got so many issues on the table, but including numbers, including the fact that in a network, you've got lots of choices. Yes. And out of that network of 50 people, let's just say, mm -hmm. maybe there are three that are new, that you newly pay attention to and you cultivate. We were talking about numbers before, right? Mm -hmm. As far as how many friends each person has. Um, and so what, how about you? How many friends do you think you have? Or how many friends do you have, Jen? It's a, it's a juicy question. I was kidding when I asked the question, how many friends? And you answered ter you know, terrestrial friends or, or actual friends that you speak to and, and, and um, spend time with. And then I asked kind of humorously, how ma many Facebook friends right. do you have? And you said between 300 and 400. And I thought quickly, I think I have about something similar in terms of Facebook friends. Um, I think I'm blessed. I think I have a very um, strong number of very close friends. And if you ask me to define what's close, I'd have to think about it. Maybe I, I'll come back to that. Um, but uh, something um, about depending on a best friend when you're in second grade and the heartbreak when that best friend either moves away or some third person comes and then you're not the best friend, friend anymore. anymore. Exactly. And then, you know, if you go crying home and you tell your mommy that whatever, the mommy might say, well, go make some new friends then. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I think my mommy might have said, and I'm making this up, yeah. but she could have said, maybe it's good to have more than one best friend. Now, that's a violation of childhood. You don't have more than one, one best, best friend. friend. But right. she might have said, she might have suggested that might be a concept worth exploring. I've spoken to women who have problems sharing friends. You know, I mean, you just like that sandbox we talked about earlier. They, they don't want you. I've actually had women, I've had women in discussions where they've said, She's my friend. I don't want you to go to the movies with her without me. Which Let's I add 
uh, at what age? Not too long ago or a I'm long time ago? No, I'm talking about now. I'm talking oh. about it, it, the age where we are right now. You know, so if, if, if you like Lady A and Lady A likes you, but Lady A is friends with Lady B, what do you... And then the two of you get that connection. And are we now going to the movies, the three of us, all the time together now because you don't want to start a storm. You don't want to start a storm. Now, Bibi, I think we've begun to open up Pandora's box. Jen? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I think we'll be back in a sec. opening Pandora's box and there are so many different shapes and themes and colors in there. Yes, and I was thinking about uh, some of the friends that I have or one in particular that really gets hurt and feels left out when she's not included in every single activity that some other friends and I Mm -hmm. are part of. Mm -hmm. And it's not really possible to always include her in that, whether she's busy or it just doesn't fit the vibe that we're uh, participating in, but she feels so hurt. So I've I've had to have a little chat with her now twice and ask her why she's feeling like that. And what happened when you had the chat? And she said that ever since she was growing up, she was at times... Um, she was feeling as though she was left alone, that she wasn't included, and that lack of inclusivity has stayed with her until this age. This is really a juicy topic from every single standpoint. Did you have a comment that you wanted to make about that? Well, I think that there are there are groups of friends that get along better than other groups of friends. And if you love them all, then you separate them out. You know, there's a group that you'll go to the movies with and dinner, but you don't want to mix and mingle necessarily because the personalities of group A and group B may not may not work. And then they all come together, group A, B, and C, they all come together on special occasions like birthdays or New Year's Eve or a special dinner party or something like that. But then, but by and large, you don't mix them on a daily basis. You know, you tell... You tell some secrets to some, and others don't know that secret. So I think that's healthy. And Jen, I wanted to add also that at times it seems to me that if I love all my friends, why don't they love each other? Well, that's... Um, Since I've selected them or I have grown closer to them and we have similar qualities, then therefore they should all be lined up like little uh, berries and adoring each other. Like things equal to the same thing or equal to each other. That also becomes a fascinating (laughs) issue because I have also like a a wide variety. Um, and, And a lot of my friends amuse me and they wouldn't nec- and they may seem weird mm-hmm. to other people. Mm-hmm. That has been said. Mm-hmm. And 
where, where I've come with it is that I have all these different parts of my own personality. Let's just say, conservatively, I have 20 different parts of me. There may be the clown, there may be the dancer, there may be the philosopher, there may be the writer, and there are different friends that match up with those different parts of me that the clown and the writer might never um, get along that well if they're in my living room, or they might, depending on how I prepare the um, meeting. The, the playing ground, the play field. Le- le- <laughs> the, yeah, leveling the playing yeah. field. I'll tell you about, um, I have a memory of a way that I once did that at a birthday party that I had here. And what I did was I wrote a poem about each woman. There were maybe 10 women, let's say. And I wrote a poem about, I wrote a poem that included a couple of, um, a verse on each woman. So th- when the women stood um, around to listen to the poem, they were learning about who each other was to me. And that was my way of, like you say, leveling the playing field. And that was that felt really good to me because these women did not know one another for the most part. Well, how did that work out in terms of the group? I mean, did some might have known uh, what the poem, who the poem was directed to? Some might no, not I have po- known. No, I, I would oh, indicate. You did. Oh, you did I, Because it, let's oh, okay. just say there was only 10 or 11 okay. people there. Okay. I can't remember in this moment. It was okay. a few years ago. And so, yes, I would indicate. I would speak to that woman, letting her know what she meant to me. And then the other people were witness to that. And I was careful that everybody's special quality was illuminated in that moment because I was aware that these people didn't really know each other and what were they doing here at my little afternoon lunch and birthday party in my new home. Well, they all loved you. See, that was the one thing they all had in common. They all loved you. They may not ever all love each other, but they did love you. And they'll, they'll always come together. On my behalf, exactly. Yes, exactly. And did they find that to be a sharing experience? Yes, because they were able to pick up the. They had something to say in that conversation, something that they knew. Obviously, nothing embarrassing, but it was everybody's light got shone, if that's a good way to put it. Yes, everybody shined. Instead of shrinking into any background, everybody shined. So there were ten shining people, and it was easy for them to interact with each other because there was a beginning. Did any of them become friends? Um, yes. That's very nice. Yes. Yeah, that's yes, very they nice. did, actually. I was just thinking of two in particular who have so been pals this past year or two that it's beautiful. Oh, that's great. Right. Because they could have worked in the other direction as well. You know, where they only come together for you and they don't see each other at any other time. So do you think that the way we've been brought up and how we grew up, um, does that have a huge effect on how we form friendships? Are you thinking about being an only child? Did that have any effect on you? I'm curious. Um, I am, yes, because as an only child, uh, I had to reach out to uh, friends and they were really my family my sisters and my brothers Um, and so I developed these bonds over the years and have always found it really easy to connect with friends so I don't feel lonely 
um, because there's always someone, whether they're in Palm Springs or in Seattle, here in Tucson, or the two of you sitting, you know, right next to me, uh, they're always there. So, yes. It's wonderful having friends in different time zones. I remember especially being in New York, and let's say it was really late, like 1 o'clock in the morning. I knew I could call my West Coast friends. Whereas here, Mm -hmm. if you're up really late, you really don't want to. You can call Europe. I've learned because it's already, you know, you know, later in the day. But, um, well, I guess you can call Hawaii. And hopefully you can make friends. If somebody has got a great house in Hawaii, you can call them too. <laughs> right. That's Yeah. Well, so there's a lot to be said by um, the non-exclusivity. We're really talking about inclusivity just as a principle. I mean, we're just throwing out the principle of inclusivity and what that feels like. Well, moving to a new town is different as well, because now you know when you land that you're going to have to make friends. And that's a topic that we decided we were going to dedicate an entire show to, which was called Finessing Friendship. Exactly. And I can't wait for us to, to put that show together, because I think... We've all experienced that. The three of us have landed in this beautiful city of Tucson, Arizona, and I had one friend. How many friends did you have when you arrived? One also. Okay. Yes, and, we were equal. And, and I had none. Okay. So, I had, I had so zero we, friends. We all knew that we, that we had to make friends. Yes. We had to make friends in the sandbox as soon as we got here. Well, it was very cute because my husband um, was the only person. He was a friend, but obviously more than that. And uh, he decided one night that I should go to a lecture at the Marriott um, that was sponsored by the Mamadides um, Society, which is education essentially for medical professionals. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, will you come with me? And he said, no, I think you should go on your own. And I He's said, but it's... pushing you out the door a little bit. And he really, I That's felt lovely. like a little chick. Mm-hmm. And there I was really um, at the Marriott at 300, 400 people at this particular lecture. And at the end, I went up to the, um, I guess it was the executive vice president of the federation uh, here in um, Tucson, the Jewish Federation, and told her that I thought her presentation was fabulous. And it was she that, that wound up introducing me to a woman that wound up introducing me to someone who's one of my best friends here in Tucson. And that was something that like a kindergartner, you know, I was invited to just sure. go out on my own mm. and explore. Well, and I think that's very often, right? Where sort of your business interests, mm-hmm. your uh, personal, in, your interests uh, in, in their entirety are driving you to seek uh, new paths and make new friends. When I met you, Jen, yes. um, it was at a business event. It was at my home. Remember, you came to my home. You were, we, we had a, um, I had a new friend who happened to be an old friend of yours. That's right. And she brought us together. And over chai tea. The, well, a fantastic chai tea that you made. We became Delicious. friends. We became friends. And, and we felt very comfortable. I mean, as soon as they got out of the car, she got out of the car in front of my house, we hugged. And it was instant. So, And that was a good feeling. 
a so very good feeling. This is this is a place where we can um, bring a conversation that we had earlier with Devora, who basically shared with us a little bit about that instantaneous feeling. Let's see if we can get a hold of that conversation. And we're so excited to have a little chat about place of friendship in your life these days. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have been someone who has been so focused on my working life and I think in many ways um, did not appreciate the value of friendship until I think after I turned 50. And in these years now, the most important thing in my life, the, the greatest gift at the top of my gratitude list are my friends. What's the main difference? Can you talk a little bit about how friendship as a concept or as the individual women who you keep in your mind as you speak to us, how that happened, that friendship moved to the top of the list? What happened inside of you? that made that happen? You know, that's a terrific question because um, there's there was a really key moment that I rarely think about or talk about, but um, I was making a really significant career move in my early 50s, and uh, it was through... Um, much more responsibility and in many different arenas than I had worked before. And when I moved to this new environment, I met a woman who maybe was, uh, Marcy must be about five years older than me. Uh, so at the time, if I was 52, she was 57, an artist, a really um, wonderfully charming and uh, incredibly attractive, emotionally attractive woman. And I remember one day taking a walk with her, and she asked me what made me make this change and this move at that time in my life. And I said, because I really felt like I wanted to learn how to be part of a team at work. I'm a therapist, so I've always worked independently. But I also wanted to learn how to be a friend. And Marcy became a mentor for me. And I never knew, I had never met this woman. We had lunch once or twice, business lunch, but there was something in her that really struck me as, I want to learn how to be her friend. And I think I really set about learning how to be a friend. I think that must have been about 15 years ago. That's such a wonderful image to have a mentor for friendship, and and the other word you used was she was emotionally attractive to you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by emotionally attractive? You know, I'm not sure I can actually. It's um, uh, when I meet 
someone who is really present and who is present in a way that feels open-hearted. I don't, I, I feel that their presence is a non-critical, non-judgmental presence that's expansive. Like it feels like just big-hearted, I guess. My dad was incredibly big-hearted and I saw that, but that was apparent. I don't, I think when you meet it in another who's not, where it's not expected, it's incredibly attractive to me. Um, Tavora, it's Bibi. Do you think that uh, we have to be in a certain place and time in our lives to open to friendships, or does it occur anytime? You know, yeah, I'm loving having this conversation because we just don't talk about friendship as an idea uh, or even a reality. I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, you know, I'd like to say, I think philosophically, I would imagine you can have, we have friends at any time in our lives, at every time in our lives, but maybe what I'm experiencing, not maybe, what I'm experiencing now is a very different quality and depth of friendship. And I think it has to do with my, with my presence, mm. the value I'm putting on it. I think when I was younger, I maybe didn't put that much value on it because you had friends. That's what you did. Everybody, I mean, you know, you had, you had friends. And, uh, and then, you know, when you get married or you don't get married, but you were involved in relationships, maybe you have children and you're working, somehow friends, um, recede a bit into the distance. Right. Not gone, but maybe just, but, you know, I think in aging, um, that desire to connect intimately, with someone that you're not sexually involved with yes. is compelling. Devorah, do you think that um, age is a factor? You know, when we were growing up, all of our friends were our own age. You know, everybody was five or six or six or seven, but we never, at, at five years old, we never had 10-year-old friends, you know? Uh, now, uh, do you have any friends that are like 40, or 45 years old? I mean, I've got, I have this research. I'm a, a big on intergenerational. I always was. But okay. as I've gotten older, um, it's been very important to me to have friends a generation or two above me and below me. One of my sweetest, closest friends is 23 years old. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I adore her. She adores me. I mean, we're, we just love each other. And I'll hang out with her and her friends. And she hangs out with me and my friends. Andrea knows her. So did, did you ever feel awkward sitting uh, in a restaurant with a 23-year-old? Oh, I mean, never. Okay. No, um, I'm an old hippie. And okay. I think that one of the things about that generation that call themselves hippies was... Um, you know, it's an incredibly egalitarian universe. 
It was like there'd be little kids, there'd be old people, you know, you got to a Grateful Dead concert, everybody's there. So, no, I, I mean, I, I, maybe there's a certain type of person, you know, but it would be the same type whether they were 20 years old or my age that I might be uncomfortable with. She might be, she must be a very special young woman because, you know, there's some 23 year olds, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I'm not, I, I don't think I want to hang out with. So this 23 yeah. year old friend of yours must be very special for, and she must have some qualities that you, obviously that you love for you to spend time with her. I mean, the, our music isn't even the same. I can't even stand listening, you know, I've got 23 year old granddaughters. So I can't even stand listening to the same music that they, but you know, as they get a little older, they're getting, I'm liking them better and better as women. I, you know, I, I, I think it's a compatibility of the same sort I would look for in someone my age, but I, I have another friend, a young man who's 26, 25, and actually Aaron, Aaron and I listen to a lot of people love 60s music, um, you know, but there's so much, um, it feels to me, there's so much that they are wanting to know that I know, and there's so much they know that I want to know. Right. Let's go back but, to the, um, uh, if we might, just for a minute, about the importance of friendships at this stage of life. Are you partnered currently, or are you currently unpartnered? Um, I am currently unpartnered, and you've kind of hit a nail on it, because um, I've been separated from my former husband five years divorce um, now, but when we were married, and it was a long marriage, we were, we were together 22, 23 years, um, I, I did not have a lot of, I had close friends, but not a lot of close friends. And, you know, some of that is the time that that relationship took up. And some of that, I think, is the emotional space that a marriage or when you're living with someone, and then if you add to that, having a big career. So I do think time is a significant factor. I have more time to give to my friends, but I also choose to give that time to my friends. And I love the quotations that you shared a little bit earlier today. Could you restate that wonderful quotation that you weren't exactly sure where you heard it or read it, but it's so beautiful? Yes, I, I, it came at a really dark time in my life, just before I really began to open myself to deeper friendships, and I don't know where I read it, but it said, our friends are the beings through whom God loves us. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. Our friends are the beings through whom God loves us. And that's such a beautiful statement and enables us to receive so many different kinds of love. Devorah, really want to thank you for being with us today, and I'm hoping that you will be open for us to check back in with you as we move the kaleidoscope to other facets of friendship. But you've been a wonderful um, correspondent, <laughs> and we appreciate your uh, calling in today. Thank you, and have a wonderful well, evening. 
I have to tell you, the pleasure is online truly because talking about friendship is one of the ways of supporting and honoring it. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for giving me this chance. Thank you. Thank, thank you. We love it. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening. Good night. You too. Good night. Wow, that was such a um, enlightening conversation. Deborah brought up so many aspects, including that business about the um, readiness or the openness that we have to friends at different ages and stages in our lives. And how fueling that is and how inspiring it is, how it um, moves us uh, from one stage of life to another and how necessary it really is, right? Yeah, about the role model. That was so interesting when she talked about Marcy as a role model for friendship, that she noticed that this woman had a certain elegant way of being a friend that involved being very present and very big-hearted. I think that those are words that really stick with me. Right. Well, she gave me a lot to think about because I I have no younger friends. You know, I I when I when I meet young women that are let's just say late forties, I look at them as um, women that I can that I can help. I can light the way for them. I can I, because I've been some places they've not been, but they can help me as well. You know, they can bring wonderful joy into my life. I've, I've met a young woman that that the two of you know, and she's 47 years old, and we had the best time. And I don't think of her age at all, but she comes to me with, with valid questions about men and, and, and sex and what do I do about this and what do I do about that. It thrills me to be able to answer the question because I've been down that road, but she gives me so much joy. She really gives me joy when we have these conversations. And I kind of rewind, and I remember when I was 47 years old. So having those young relationships, I'm going to foster more of them. Do you think that it has a lot to do with our ability to share about ourselves and to sort of go out on the plank and uh, disclose some things that we may find personal at, at times? Do you think it's easier to share the older we get? Do you think we let go of some ego and some pride and tell stories with a little more, we're a little looser about the way we tell stories? I think that definitely has something to do with it. It has to do with being more open and being more free and easy about knowing that our thoughts are correct, that we don't need someone's approval when we share those, and that openness sort of automatically exposes us to new friendships. I, you know, my experience in the work that I've done in the therapy room over the years, I thought you were going to say makes us feel like we're not the Lone Rangers. One of the things I learned is every single thought that I might ever have had has been shared by other people. Every insecurity that I might ever have had, any bit of shame that I might ever have had is shared by so many other people that I feel so liberated in my communications. I don't, I don't worry about being judged. 
Well, and I think for you, Andrea, particularly as a psychologist, you see a ton, a ton more people and a ton more different personalities as well. And you are so sort of preset in your openness and your compassion. Uh, I think Jen and I would agree with that, but I see where you're coming from that perspective. So the, the, as we go up the age spectrum, we do gather experiences that make it easier for us to share, whether we garner those experiences from being on the receiving end as a, as a counselor, or whether just our wide circle of friends and experiences teaches us that. But I think that as we get older, it certainly makes mathematical sense, doesn't it, to have younger friends? It absolutely does. You'll have somebody make soup for you. I, I, I'm, and become the physical therapist. And beca- so, as so many of the uh, this generation are going, instead of medical school, they're going to be physical therapists. And I'm a woman that doesn't have daughters, so I need to make friends with with all the young women that I can that that will love me because I don't have any daughters. My sons will take good care of me, but I don't. There's something wonderful for I envy women that have daughters that and and there's something about the fact that when you have a daughter you're you're seeming that you're guaranteed that they're going to take care of you and I didn't have any daughters but my sons told me not to worry and I have friends I don't have any daughters I don't have any sons but I have these amazing friends that I feel the same way about and Mm -hmm. that's I think that's the pure bliss of knowing that your friends are there no no matter what happens I think this is um, a very new generational thing our mothers didn't have big circles of friends because Mm -hmm. that's it you're married and you're in a one-on-one relationship I think our generation of boomer women are really forging a new model, one that is of great, it, it, it's a great, graceful, um, blessed uh, tendency that we have at our age to build large circles of friends so that this is our support system as we get older. We're doing it. And whether we are partnered or not partnered, this stage of life um, moves us into this conversation with Barbara that we had about stages of life and when does it become necessary to have more friends. just want to ask you a couple of questions about your experiences with friends, with friendships. How do you choose friendships in your life? How do I choose friendships? Well, you know, I think that's an interesting question because I, the friendships that I have um, made recently have been in, out of groups of friends that I already have. Mm. And so some of them also have come from networking groups, you know, business groups. But for the most part, I feel as if I attract kindred souls. And so that's really how I have come to make friends over the last several years. And what do you look for when you are creating friendships? You said you look for a kindred soul identity. Uh, what type of characteristics would you say attract you? Well, Bibi, I 
I wish it was that cut and dry. Um, I think the first thing is that um, I have been on, on a, uh, in, you know, a really intentional spiritual path for many years. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of, also a lot of work with the teachers. So I really look for people who are on some kind of a path of self-development and self-evolution. Yes. And, you know, sometimes that's hard to tell at the beginning. So I think I use my intuition a lot. Have you ever had a great guy friend that you shared with? Certainly not at the level of a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, I've been married a long time, and uh, I was talking to Andrea earlier, and I was saying, you know, my husband has been my best friend through our whole marriage. That's wonderful. And so, uh, I don't know that I avoided having a, you know, a profound relationship with another man. It just has never happened. Do you think it, do you think that it's possible for a woman to have a, a, a deep friendship with a guy friend? Sure. I and, do. And I can also say, um, on the topic of Barb's husband, that John is an exceptional man in terms of his sensitivity, curiosity, openness, and non-judgment. So I'm not surprised that Barbara would consider John a best friend. John is one of those remarkable men who has developed his um, sensitive side, if you want to say his feminine side, to um, an art. He's, He's an absolute gem. Of a guy. Mm, thank you for that compliment for him. I think the other thing I would attribute that our friendship is going to be been open. Mm-hmm. There have been two times, I've always been the pioneer in uh, seeking all growth possibilities, yet he has always been open to looking at what I was doing because I knew at some pivotal points in my life that if we weren't on the same track uh, in our growth and personal development, that it could take us apart. Yes, right. And I think he's always been open, not always uh, with a big, oh, yeah, yeah, but always open to checking it out. And then, you know, he's gone down the path usually with me. Barbara, I'd like to ask it this way. The care and feeding of the friendships that you do treasure, are there a couple of things that you can say, a couple of maxims, perhaps, or um, in, a say, in a sense, rules of the heart that you go by in preserving the preciousness of the friendships that you hold dear? Yes, I think there are. And I think that one of the most important ones for me is always being self-aware as to what I'm doing and what are my expectations in a relationship. So I have friends that, in fact, and one friend in particular, who is working on a very busy project. And I am going through some health challenges right now. And I know that she is so busy that, you know, this project has to take number one. So I have to look for myself if I feel 
left out, if I start making any judgments, it's up to me to turn inward and ask myself, what do I need? Because I know that if I reached out to this friend and told her what I needed, even if it was a 15 or a 30-minute conversation, that I w she would more than accommodate me, you know, in some reasonable time frame. So for me, what I'm pointing to is the self-reflection that I think is needed in all relationships. Because we don't even often know what our expectations are in a relationship. And sometimes we assume they're also the same as everybody else's. I love what you're saying about this because you're also taking responsibility for the next huge topic, which is communication. To be able to put ego or pride aside, to be able to reach out, to trust that the friend wants you to do that, to be able to put into words just very clearly, I need, I need some attention right now. Do you have an hour for me or can you do this for me? That is, I think, a hallmark of mature relationship where we're able to use our communication skills to to really ask for what we need. That's that's huge. Well, yes, and here's the other thing. In this friendship, I want you to be fulfilled in her life. So I want her to be doing what she needs to be doing to have a fulfilled life. But that to me, in a friendship, it's also that I care as much about her as she cares about me. And you know, there's something to be said for the fact that in all love relationships, friendship being a love relationship, is that we are dedicated to the, to the health, well-being, and personal growth of our, whether it's our friend, our partner, our mate, uh -huh. our marriage. So that's um, a beautiful place to um, maybe pause this conversation. We are so appreciative of you being willing to take time out and speak so heartfully, so much from the heart, um, to us here. Because we know for sure that others listening to this podcast are going to relate strongly to so many of the points that you brought up, Barbara. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a, an enlightening show. I think that our listeners will be very pleased at at last week's show with the derailment and listening to the stories of this week of, of our friends that that have really defined what friendship means to them. Yeah, and I think it was Devorah who was saying that this is a topic that that's not much spoken about out loud. And I can surely say, both as a friend and as a social scientist, and I think I was a social scientist before I grew up, uh, I had curiosity about what goes into good relationships, what goes into having a successful and fulfilling life. And 
I think we've identified a number of things most fascinating about having role models who are capable um, of creating safe spaces for us to be in friendship with, uh, who are able to have communication and forgiveness and elegance in the way they love. I Our plan was to always... Uh, share our feelings with our listeners for for our listeners to be able to get something out of all of our conversations and I think we did it with this particular show I I'm I'm hoping that any women that are listening that have had relationships like the ones we've discussed can smile and say those ladies have really taught us how to get through our friendships, and perhaps even heal friendships that need to be healed. I think we've begun to delve deeply into a topic that has so much more mileage to go before we rest on it. And some of the reactions that we've even gotten so far is that there's a tremendous amount of interest in our manifesting this or uncovering the dynamics that create successful relationships. So I look forward, and I know you and Bibi do too, to continuing to explore this in one form or another. We talk about there being a um, so many facets to friendships. So we're going to land our program here for tonight. And please, we encourage our listeners to write to us, to tweet us, and to literally contact us on our Boom Goddess Radio webpage www.boomgoddessradio.com Thanks so much for listening in. We welcome your suggestions. Please visit our website at boomgoddessradio.com Reach out to us. Use the Contact Us tab. Let us know what you think and what kind of topics you'd like to hear. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your Boom Goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded.